Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. G'day everyone, welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and, and me. what a marvellous episode we have today, Kevin. Absolutely fantastic. What a guest, what a star. Alicia Mollick. A mum, an Olympic bronze medalist, mm. a, a top ten tennis player in the world in her, yes. in her day, She's a Grand a, Slam winner. Also suffered her share of uh, adversity too, which she uh, has, has overcome and which yeah, we'll she will talk about. Yeah, she had funny ear thing going on. Uh, vestibular disorder, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll talk to her about uh, all that and her prowess in the kitchen. <laughs> She's not bad, it has to be said. We'll find out. I wouldn't uh, mind going round to Alicia Mollick's house for dinner. And her influences in the kitchen as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, the food poll. Now, hang on. Explain wow. to me. The food poll looks like it's been hijacked by someone else. Uh, well, look, it, it is Tim Tams. And the reason we're doing Tim Tams is that last week on the day before the food poll came out, ah. it was officially, apparently, allegedly, National Tim Tam oh, Day. Oh, there's not a day for Well, biscuit. apparently there is. Well, we have some. We have days named after stupid <laughs> things and we celebrate absolutely ridiculous things. I know. Well, nonetheless, I thought it was fitting we have a to, Tim Tam day. to have a bicky off. A Tim Tam day. So it's whether you like the original Tim Tams. Or the white. Or the white Tim Tams. Now, I I want to put this on the table right at the front. What, the Tim Tams? I've been doing extensive research into this subject. So I will bring that research with me when we get to the food (laughs) poll a little later on. Trust me. Uh, Extensive uh, R and uh, research and development. I think I have a feeling I know where this is going. Extensive just, research and development see. has gone into this. Yeah, it's Kevin direct from the CSIRO. Uh, exact. That's right. That's me. That's that's it. It's Kev from the. It's Prof- Food no, Bites. So excuse me, Professor it, Professor Kevin Philip Aloysius Hillier. It's now called Food Bites with Sarah Patterson <laughs> and Professor <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Philip Aloysius Hillier from the Eugene. CSIRO. And don't you forget it. <laughs> and if you do isn't forget it, 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 is I'll it isn't, that, isn't that against the law to impersonate somebody from the? I'm not imper- I'm I'm a trained oh, professional. You're bona fide <laughs> in the psych in the uh, in the what is in what would you call it in the um in the genre of Tim Tam oh. biscuits. I am a, I am entitled to be a professor. I am. Trust me. Uh, and, and you I, know how you you get your license off the back I, of a Tim Tam package. I have the belly to prove it. <laughs> but let's get to Alicia Mollick and uh, have a chat to her about uh, all things to do with her life and her kitchen. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Let's start by saying, are you any good in the kitchen, Alicia? <laughs> hey, yeah. I, uh, I like to stick to my staples, but then I think I'm quite... I'm open to experimenting too. So I've been, um, I've actually been on a uh, quest the last couple of weeks since I got home from the Australian Open to cook about two to three new meals per week. Ooh. My new cookbook. So that's been going well. So what are you, what are you experimenting with? What are you, what are you dabbling in? Uh, I, I just recently bought the, um, well, she was a friend's Instagram that sort of inspired me, but I bought the, um, new uh, cookbook, I guess the sensation that it's been, recipe tin. So just lots of, I guess, different uh, sort of home cooking, but quite wholesome ingredients, easy to follow. I did a really lovely crispy beef on, I've never deep fried um, vermicelli noodles before, but they now I know how all the Chinese restaurants do it, which they'll be sticking to that staple. I did a really beautiful cashew chicken, simple, Mm -hmm. just simple, there's nuts that I guess the kids are busy with sport and I might have half an hour. So I do like the quicker recipes. Two weeks ago, we had friends over from London and Dubai and I actually got went back to an old favourite from 
for my travel. It's the Iranian Spice Slam mm-hmm. um, with a beautiful saffron pistachio spiced rice, which they said was the best lamb they'd ever had. So look what happens when you actually follow a recipe, hey? Absolutely. <laughs> and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I don't think you need to, to complicate food. I think we see these cooking shows in which uh, everything has to be sophisticated or served in a particular way or have a thousand ingredients, whereas at the end of the day, if you have great uh, produce and ingredients um, and keeping it simple, that's all that really matters. Yeah, look, I agree. And there's also weeks that I I do challenge myself to cook with what is left in my fruit and veg or more so the veg <laughs> section of my um, of my fridge and the frozen section too. So we don't have a huge kitchen by any stretch. So it's kind of nice when you do feel that sensation of emptying out the cupboards of the beans and legumes and, <laughs> and pasta and all of that type of thing. But it is so easy to fall back to your favourites. My origins are Polish, so mum always did some lovely cabbage dishes, which I sort of do like cooking for my family as well. Meatballs always go down really well. But yeah, I do. I really do like experimenting and, and trying different dishes. Last night, the family were pretty busy with sport, so we just went back to the old barbecued lamb cutlet salad and sweet potato in the oven with mm. sour cream, which is a real favourite. Everyone loves it. It satisfies everyone, no matter whether they're young or old. That's also, I'm back to the one dish for the family. Our children are 11 and 8, so I was often cooking a separate meal for them because we do enjoy our chilli and spices. So it's nice to cook one meal. Sounds like absolutely beautiful food that you're serving Mm. up there. What about you personally, Alicia? Are you disciplined in the way you eat and and how has uh, the way you eat changed uh, since you were at the peak of your playing days? Yeah, look, I feel at this point in time, I've only just ticked over to 42. I'm happy to say that publicly. (laughs) But I feel like my knowledge now is by far supreme to what I knew as at my peak in tennis as as a 24-year-old in terms of, I think, um, nutrition and the way our body functions and I think how to function at its best. I feel I I, I try and be disciplined in the sense of eating food that, yeah, I guess free of too many nasties and eating healthy fat. So we only have whole milk in our house, um, just whole normal milk, uh, full fat Greek yogurt. I do like fat, so I'd probably steer clear. If it's one thing I try and steer clear of is it's foods, even for the kids' cereals and things that mm. are high in the sugars. So I always find those to not work great, you know, for our bodies. So, um, you know, carbs are good, healthy carbs. I just spoke about sweet potato. That's a good one for us. Um, as a family, I do cook with potatoes. I'll only cook pasta um, every so often, but quite regularly for the kids. But it's just finding healthy substitutes. Sometimes for lunch, I'm not overly hungry. So I might just have a cup of, um, I'm quite into my bone broth at the moment, beef bone broth. I don't make mm-hmm. it myself. I buy it and then just add some salt and some mixed herbs. I'll have that and half an avocado with chopped up and liberally pour over balsamic vinegar. I'm not sure if you've had that combo, but it's really satisfying. Isn't it interesting, Alicia, how our attitudes have changed towards our fat, gone from being, I guess, the enemy, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, whereas now uh, fat is considered our friend. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, it's not just our friend. I think it fuels us. So I, I am, look, I exercise regularly. I just went for a run along the beach before, but I feel that we, you, you can 
derive the same, if not more, energy and a longer sustained energy from fats as opposed to carbohydrates, sugars sometimes, um, if, if you're used to it. And I, I feel like I can operate. I mean, I'm not operating at a high level, um, you know, a high performance level anymore. I'm not playing tennis like I used to. I might have an hour hit or go to the gym for an hour or, you know, run for 45 minutes, that type of thing. But I really feel like you can get a lot of energy from eating full fat. So whether that be, you know, a bit of full fat yogurt with, you know, a few macadamias and walnuts on top. It really sustains you for a long period of time. And if I can mention it, my old sports doctor who looked after me for many, many years when I played tennis, Dr. Peter Brookner, he actually has written a great book, um, A Fat Lot, lot of Good. But I do We've had try Peter on and, this podcast, actually. Oh, you yes, have. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I do try and adopt his way or method of eating as much as I can. So, of course, I'm going to have sometimes, you know, eggs on sourdough toast or something. But if I'm not that hungry and I'm not that desperate for it, I'll just leave the bread off and I will stick to the, the fat, so the, the bacon and the eggs and I will get uh, might get beans on the side or a tomato. So you don't feel like you're miss, missing out. When you can have healthy fats and avocado and nuts and prosciutto and cheese and fish, sometimes I'll just pour a whole can of tuna on top of chopped lettuce and celery for lunch. I'm quite satisfied with that with some chilli flakes on top. Anything with chili flakes fills you up. <laughs> I love chili flakes. So more but, um, more blowouts in your in your during your playing career than you have these days in terms of your eating. Ah, uh, look, I had Cadbury chocolate last night. I still love yeah. chocolate. I don't crave it as much as when I. I think you know what the the absolute difference is. Yeah, there were times I ate poorly when I played, but I I don't think it had anything to do with hunger. I think it had to do with anxiety. I think it had to do with nerves. I think it had to do with, you know, potential, uh, you know, up and down feelings with, with body image or feeling, you know, emotionally down. I think it it was always due potentially eating the wrong foods just because you're bored, you're traveling and you're, you're nervous about something, you're anxious about something. So it's probably mindless eating. Keep talking about mindful eating, but, you know, mindless eating. So there's times where... Yeah, you're just not feeling great and you tend to go to the foods that aren't best for you Well, you're eating too much sugar. But I have to say that comes with, I think, the emotions and feelings from sport when, you know, when you're not at the top of your game mentally or you're just feeling down about something. It's really difficult to make clear choices. And I do stick by the motto, you lose weight in the kitchen and you get, you get healthy in the gym. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's a like good that. one too, believe it or not. I quote. like that one. That's a beauty. I can only imagine, Alicia, that the uh, the life of an elite uh, tennis player travelling, you know, not just around the country but around the world can be a, a pretty punishing one and a, a pretty full-on uh, schedule. Do you miss those days at all? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I probably miss the um, – probably the, uh, I guess, in the moment and playing a high-level sport you know, with the adrenaline that comes with it, the adrenaline, the elation that you feel after winning just, an, you know, an incredible match that has swung both ways. That's probably what I miss. It's really hard to get the adrenaline from picking kids up from school or, you know, <laughs> your various activities that you do socially. You don't get that the same highs. But mind you, to counterbalance those extreme highs that you feel when you win a title or, um, you know, when you've completed one of the hardest sessions in the gym because you're pushing yourself to the limit all the time, there are really extreme lows. So there's times that I might miss, oh, gee, it was fun traveling all the time to Paris and Stockholm and Tokyo. But then, you know, when, when things aren't going well, you're injured, you're not playing great. There are real extreme lows that, 
you know, are really tough. And when you're travelling on the tour alone and you're not playing great and you're losing first round every week, it's really bloody tough. And it takes a pretty strong person to, to continually dig yourself out from that and get back to the practice court the next day when you've just lost six love, six one, one day, you know, to drag yourself out and get on the court for two to four hours the next day. You, you've got to have a lot of resilience, but it taught me so much playing on the tour, but I just miss the competition, the, the ebbs and the flows and, you know, thinking through difficult situations. That's probably what I miss the most. It's not a daily thought by any stretch, no. You've um, you've had your share of, of personal and physical challenges, um, Alicia. You, for some time, battled a um, vestibular disorder. What, what were those days like for you? Yeah, oh, terrible. <laughs> Silly <laughs> um, question. Really <laughs> terrible. And I think it was probably over the course of two years I didn't really play and I didn't know what how to deal with it because it wasn't a known injury, not such a known injury like a broken leg much back in two months or three months. There's a timeline. It's pretty black and white. You tear your calf muscle and they say, oh, it's, you know, that'll be two and a half months. So, and the rehab is really clear. So it was just a really difficult time because I couldn't do what I loved. It restricted me in my, not just my professional life, my social life, because I wasn't really able to do a lot of things that I'd normally do, including driving. So I was really down that whole time. It was a really difficult time in my career. I did come back, never quite the same level, but I went from being, you know, top 10 in the world to the doctor saying sort of, you know, think about another career. So as as a 24-year-old, when you've dedicated your life to one one thing, one discipline your whole life, you've been pretty tunnel visioned for, for good reason. It was really, really tough mentally. I, looking back, I probably, one regret I have is probably not consulting or seeing someone to speak to, like a psych or, you know, a counsellor, because I feel like if I was able to probably air some of my feelings or concerns or worries, or there's only so much you share with your family and your friends. So, I probably wish I'd spoken to someone just to unload on a few things that, you know, really were mounting up at the time. Is that what you pass on to the starry-eyed uh, people that you're coaching now who, who have that tunnel vision that you talked about that you have? Is that what you can give them now as well as, you know, the obviously the expertise and the technique of the game, but it's it's that other bit that you just talked about then is the difference sometimes between being being on those circuit and being a champion, isn't it? Well, I think you you really need a, a one-eyed and tunnel vision. You need you need a selfish dedication to your discipline or what you're trying to excel at. That that if you want to be high performing and the best in the world, you you have to only think about the, the really single-minded and um, you know dedicate every day to that. At the same time, I think you know you need to find a, a, a little balance with having snippets of, I guess, outside time or and particularly, yeah, you're right, for, for, for players where I feel or see that things are overwhelming, them, I often suggest they talk to someone that isn't part of their close group or the network or, or me or their coach, someone independent that can just, it's not a matter of telling anyone what to do. It's probably a matter of just helping share or unload on unload and share the worries and pushing the worries onto someone else's shoulders. So sometimes it's always just a bit of reassurance, someone telling you, oh, you're actually doing really well. You're doing the right things. You know, you shouldn't worry about this for this reason. And um, you're doing great. Sometimes that's enough for a player to hear. But I often do suggest that they speak to people if things are feeling too overwhelming for them. And it's just another avenue because 
I don't feel as a coach or as a captain you can get the best out of your players unless they, you know, they're functioning pretty well personally. It's really mm. hard to extract high performance from them if they're not pretty balanced um, in their life or things are getting on top of them. We've not long wrapped up the uh, Australian Tennis Open and uh, here in Melbourne where we are, it's it's always a massive time of the year, both, both as a sporting event and I guess a big social occasion too. It's like one big uh, festival. But do you have any particular highlights or takeaways from uh, from the Australian Open? Well, for me, it was just great to have all the crowds back. I mean, to see people back with families, kids, no masks, and I'm not saying, you know, there's a very good reason people were wearing them at times, but... To have people enjoying and embracing sport on a world stage again, I mean, that was amazing for me to see, you know, so many people enjoying what the AO provides. And my kids actually joined me for a week there. And I love the event because it's not all about the tennis. You can you can have your kids there. There's water slides. There's a ropes course. If you only like tennis a little bit, well, there's plenty of people that go to the live music area and um, go and enjoy the bars and the festivities and the restaurants that are on site. So it's a really nice place to go to, but I think it went a level ahead this year in terms of also supporting um, other areas of um, diversity with tennis. So there was um, an All Abilities Day with plenty of inclusion in tennis, and we saw, we've seen wheelchair tennis highlighted, but PWII was highlighted, people with intellectual impairment. Um, there was blind and low vision tennis showcased as well on the big court. There were kids with autism competing. So these players were showcased on the big court. They weren't pushed in the back, um, you know, uh, on the other side of the facility. So that's a big step forward, I think, for the AO, which is pretty awesome in this day and age. I think they are a real leader in this space. Yeah. Um, Making tennis a space, you know, a safe space for everyone and making sure it's a sport that everyone feels that um, they can come to and enjoy and, you know, not feel threatened and, and be embraced. Yeah, it's great to embrace diversity. I believe I saw, I think it was you, wearing a pair of uh, goggles just to sort of uh, replicate um, what might be the, the viewpoint for a vision-impaired uh, person playing tennis. Yes. I'd, I'd experienced blind and low-vision tennis. with I had full blackout goggles, so I had no vision, no light. Wow. So it was incredibly difficult. And I was fortunate to play in Sydney with one of the blind and low-vision players, um, Courtney Wiebeck, who's incredible, but... It, when you're relying on a ball with, you know, it's a pretty silent ball apart from the, the couple of bells inside, you're waiting for it to bounce in front of you a metre or two to then use your senses to decide whether it's on the right-hand side of your body, the left-hand side, and then coordinate your swing and your, your body to hit it. So I was, I was pretty terrible, but, yeah, it's, it's brilliant because I also had the um, ability to share some tennis with players who, you know, have been blind their whole lives. There was also a number of tennis players who have suffered some degree of blindness, you know, were born with vision and so played tennis at a high level with vision and then has have transferred to blind and low vision tennis because of the um, degeneration with their vision. So, yeah, just pretty incredible but it gave me a different appreciation, a whole new appreciation for for that part of our sport, just just amazing athletes. Tennis has led the way in a lot of areas. Obviously, this is another one that they're, they're breaking some ground in. I just want to jump back in the kitchen again. I've got to ask you, uh, your coffee drinker, is coffee part of your everyday yeah, regime? Yeah, coffee part of my day. And I, I take it different ways all the time. I have a, depending on how I'm feeling, I do like a cappuccino and I don't mind a little, you know, a little short mac. Short macchiato is often a favourite just to get the big coffee hit. 
but we actually purchased a machine right before <laughs> Christmas, which has been fantastic. I've not bought a coffee since. Yeah. It's been really good. So <laughs> I only have one or two a day, one or two before midday, and then and then that's it. I feel like, yeah, I don't like to be too dependent on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's it sounds important. like, I mean, um, Italian people love a good coffee, and it sounds like you like your uh, Italian uh, food and uh, and beverages too. I believe you've been going to a little. Um, Trattoria in uh, in Melbourne CBD for some years now, which they really appreciate there. Yeah, look, I couldn't get a booking this t- this year <laughs> with the kids. I was devastated. So uh, that's always been a big favourite, Il Salito Pasta. I've always enjoyed um, going there. It's around the corner from where I normally stay. So that's the nice thing about travelling to tennis tournaments is um, finding the familiar places that stand the test of time as well. Um you know, it's great to go back to cities right around the world where, the, you know, the same restaurant remains. And I think that's a pretty true testament to um, the character of the establishment and the staff and um, just that they, you yeah, know, they stand the test of time. But that was that's always a great favourite of mine. And um, next, next time I'll need a booking for one just to get in, I think, mm. <laughs> um, or go late at night without the kids. I've got to ask you a tricky little question. In doing a, a little bit of research on you, I watched an interview you did with uh, one of your fellow peers uh, in the tennis world. Do you know where your bronze medal is from the oh. Olympic Games? No, I don't. No. Still, I it's it still unfound. No, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. I hit it somewhere and I cannot find it. <laughs> it's one of those things that's going to turn up when there you least you expect it. And that was I won that in 2004, so go figure. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that'll turn up I one of these days. I do not know where it is. I just cannot place it. I, I cannot remember where I put it, and I've checked so many places. Oh, dear. So I'm a bit great devastated mystery. about that. Oh. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to finish by asking, have, have you got a kitchen tip for us, a tip that uh, you might want mm. to pass on? Now that now you've got your – I mean, I was picking up that uh, following the ingredients is something that you're now a little more conscious of. Oh, a kitchen tip. Um, gosh, that's a really, really tricky one. Well, I still use oh, – look, I'm not sure if you can buy them here, but I like boiled eggs and I have this great egg timer that you throw in with the boiled eggs and it sings a different song for soft, <laughs> medium and hard. And I got that in the Netherlands, so you might be able to source one of those. They're fantastic. So you can throw the eggs in and then go off and put a load of washing on and you're not going to miss the soft-boiled eggs. That's Pray, pray tell, what are the songs it plays for, for soft, hard and medium boiled eggs? But it's that, this little gadget and it's in the shape, the shape of an egg and it's a painted egg. So I, I don't know what brand it is or what it's called. You might be able to jump online. It's sort of like a singing egg timer. It's just magnificent. I always keep I'm, – I'm big into my chilli, so I always keep chilli oil at hand, chilli flakes, crunchilli I'm really into. I'm not sure if you're familiar with crunchilli, but it's sort of like a – container of chili that also has toasted oat, toasted coconut, chili oil, chopped fresh chilies. It's amazing. So if you ever make a wrap with, I like to make a wrap with scrambled eggs, some avocado, some spinach, and then I put the crunch chili on top and it just gives it a bit of fire. Extra fire you need. Oh, egg yeah, Kevin's going that. straight in wow, for that. I'm tips, that. What's tips. it called? I'm not sure there are any. I'm not sure they're tips though. Really, are they? Um, oh no, that's a great they tip. Are. I'm, I'm they're quite that unique. One down. <laughs> right. Uh, that's for, I've got a really good kitchen washcloth I use too in the kitchen. That's that's off the topic of food, but um, <laughs> buy them from my local local store here um, in Perth. But that's probably um, probably all I've got for you. Freeze dough. I've got a whole heap of limes in the fridge that someone gave me, so I need to chop them up and freeze them. 
they're excellent the tips and one... ones we can safely say we've never had before, but yeah, they're quite absolutely. unique. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Good stuff. There you go. Alicia, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, thank you for being part of our program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. There you go. Alicia Mollick, fantastic to have her on the program. Uh, she's one of the really, really good tennis I commentators love too. love the, uh, the positivity of Alicia's outlook too and I really enjoyed uh, particularly the discussion about how inclusive tennis and sport in general has become. Leads the world in a lot of a lot of areas, tennis. I think so. Well, it's led the world into one thing that is obvious is uh, prize money. The, yes. the prize money for the women is the same as it is for the men, mm. as it as it probably should be in most sports, because they are they are bona fide superstars. And, it, and, and as you say, it is one of the more progressive uh, sports. I think you would you would describe. Oh, it as. absolutely! Uh, thanks for being on the program, thank Alicia. You. Really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, now, oh. and, and I also want to thank uh, Tennis Australia, uh, Prue and uh, and Victoria and the, uh, Tennis Australia, yes. who set that one up because uh, around the time of the Australian Open, that that's like their the busiest mm-hmm. time of the year, and they did uh, did facilitate a lot of emails to and from to set they that one up. They are superstars. Thank you very much. Right, let's oh, get to the food bowl. Let's launch right into the Tim Tams. Professor Julius like Sumner, a Kevin Aloysius Hillier here. a bit Hillier of a Tim Tam slam, Kevin. Yes, you know, you, you, Well, no, you bite the other uh, corner off and you suck up your coffee through the, the Tim Tam. You ever done that before? No. No. Why okay. spoil a perfectly good biscuit by putting liquid through it? Make it a bit soggy. So we're putting... The regular, just milk chocolate Tim Tams yep. up against yep. white. Yes, white, white Tim Tams. And we're going to start with up. Kate Stevenson, who says, "Oh gee, would that be oh god all the way?" Original, original all the way. Okay, oh acronyms <laughs> confuse me. <laughs> Lol. Oh well. Uh, Karen says <laughs> white chocolate is not chocolate. Apparently. Good point. I know where Kevin's discussion is going. Jane Barnes says, neither, I'm afraid. I'm just not a sweet tooth. Fair enough. Dan says, white chocolate is not chocolate. It's yeah. a substance that should be declared <laughs> illegal by the United Nations. Oh, there's another one. Michelle says, I love, love, love the white Tim Tams. I don't oh, eat God. any other kind. Artie says, I love a Tim Tam. Don't care which, but I'm just not allowed to have them anymore. I'm fat enough without oh. adding to it. Oh. Well, that's not very... <laughs> Well, Sylvana says, I love Tim Tams. I can't choose between them. I would have to have both. Yeah, Murphy says dark chocolate oh, Tim yeah, Tams. Peter says dark choc. I'll take whatever is offered, though. Sue Landry says none. Jim Wilson says, please, the original. Sam Newman says, there's no such thing as white Tim Tams. It's like saying black Jaffers. <laughs> Stephen Quartermain says neither with an exclamation mark. Mm, Paul Sparks says any Tim Tams. Steve Wood says you have to go with the classic. Now, I've got to ask, a lot of people on the uh, on, on our social media platforms have all got these four needly things after their names on the platforms. Mm. Now, either oh, I thought that was a bottle of scotch. Either we've got a, an awful <laughs> lot of heroin addicts listening to the program or that, that signifies that you've had four vaccinations. I'm not I quite sure. Know. I think oh. that's what it is. Um, Vicky Petratus says... The author. I'm, yes, she is. I'm definitely in the original camp. I don't even like the double chalk ones. Wow, that's controversial. Mm. Miss Creant, I never thought that I would not like double chocolate because the more chocolate, the better, but I agree original is the best. Jolene says both. Rebecca says I used to love them, but they use uncertified palm oil. I'm not comfortable killing animals and polluting the planet 
for a biscuit. There you go. Uh, Ali says double chalk. Sue Hosking says regular, of course. White chocolate is just yuck. Michelle says regular, but I do like both. Daz Smith says it's a tough call, but I will stay with the regular. Mark says all Tim Tams. I repeat, <laughs> all of them. I- have them all. Their price is really high, though, and yeah. I simply can't afford them anymore. They go up and down. They, they, they the can the go. price goes up, and as the size gotten a bit smaller. Yeah, a little maybe. bit, but uh, the price does fluctuate enormously. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm a professor of Tim Tams. Mm, here we go. Never hear the end I'm of this. I'm getting to that. Caroline says, regular or dark chilli? Do they have yeah, a dark chilli one? Yeah, Rosemary Walton says, I have a pathological <laughs> hatred of white oh. chocolate, so this is an easy yay to original <laughs> Tim Tams. A pathological <laughs> hate of white chocolate. Davin Nicholas wow. says, uh, he likes the regular original Tim Tam. That's it for him. Julie says both, please. Michelle Smith, definitely the regular. And Wayne finishes oh. up before Professor Hillier starts oh. and says, Tim Tams are quite simply the greatest. the greatest. There is no finer than a Tim Tam in the vast expanses of the biscuit universe. And if you don't mm-hmm. like them, you're being punished for something evil that you did in a past <laughs> life. Unless it is completely ruined by being touched by white chocolate, a pale, insipid, semi-plastic, <laughs> diabetes-inducing goo. Oh. White chocolate was invented by Nestle in Switzerland in 1937. And I'm sure the only reason the Swiss decided to be neutral in World War II was because nobody would let them be on their side because they'd scarred the confectionery world with this abomination. (laughs) It's not even real chocolate. It's just cocoa butter with other lab-created garbage. It smells and tastes like candle wax mixed with vanilla essence and leaves a cloying aftertaste Mm. that you just know isn't right. Oh. If a white chocolate Tim Tam was a member of the royal family, <laughs> it would be Prince Harry. Oh. <laughs> and we know that was coming. It's only there by default and if it doesn't really belong and people just feel sorry for it. Oh. So it isn't hard to see where I stand on this issue, writes Wayne. The standard Tim Tam for the win by the length yes. of the Nullarbor plane. But dark chocolate Tim Tams, well, that's an argument for another oh, day. Wayne, so there's a running theme there and I reckon this is where Professor Hillier is going with his conversation. It's about does white chocolate actually qualify as being chocolate in the first place? No, that's not where Professor oh. Hillier is going oh, at all. here we go. Professor Hillier has gone straight to the Tim Tam Isle of his local Woolworths and come up with the fact that we have all these. We have oh. Arnott's Tim Tam Original Chocolate Biscuits. Mm. We have Arnott's Tim Tam Double Chocolate Biscuits. Arnott's Tim Tam Dark Chocolate mm. Biscuits. Arnott's Tim Tam Chewy Caramel Chocolate oh. Biscuits. Hello. Tim Tam White Biscuits. Arnott's <laughs> Tim Tam Murray River Salted Caramel we've Chocolate had, we've Biscuits. We've had those ones here. Arnott's Tim Tam Deluxe Dark Chocolate Mint Biscuits. Oh. Arnott's Tim Tam Deluxe Salted Caramel Brownie Chocolate <laughs> Biscuits. Arnott's Tim Tam Deluxe Decadent uh, Triple Choc Biscuits. You're making these up. Sorry, I'm slow. I've got pictures. There can't be that many. And uh, Arnott's Tim Tam Deluxe Dark Choc Raspberry Tart Biscuits. I haven't had that one. Oh, but do you think we should? And there was a chilli one, but it's not for sale at the moment at Woolworths. Oh, but do you think we should be mucking around and and having all these different types? One at a time, yes. Except mm. for the white one. The, white the one Murray is- River Salted Caramel are very, very nice, it has to be said. I so think I, I remember at some stage, sometimes they put out uh, limited edition Tim Tams. Yeah, so I think there was maybe like a lemon meringue type one. Well, if there wasn't, maybe they should try it. Oh, they probably will now. Uh, look, the original Tim Tam is one by yeah. the length of the Nullarbor Plain, admittedly, and I and I, I've... I reckon I've had the white chocolate Tim mm. Tam once and went, ooh. Um, See, I like white chocolate. It's super sweet. Yes, and, and to be honest, even now, the normal original Tim Tam is a bit sweet for me. Mm. I love the dark chocolate version. Mm. Oh, gosh. 
The dark chocolate. The problem mint is you versions. can't stop at one. The dark can you? chocolate salted who, caramel. Who mint can eat version. one Tim Tam and the leave the rest of the packet? Salted caramel mint chili version. I think there's going to be a supermarket trip very, very shortly. I'm off to the supermarket. I hope you've enjoyed the program. <laughs> Thank you to Alicia Mollick and uh, Tim Tams all round. Tim Tams for everybody. Especially Professor Hillier. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.